Hello and welcome to the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. It is January 31st, a wonderful Monday. I'm joined by my good buddy Harris Kermani here to break down this eight-game slate we have on our hands. But Harris, my friend, seems like we both had some pretty long days, but how are you, how are you doing otherwise? <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, what the Raptors starters must have felt like at the end of that triple overtime. It's just been exhausting all the way through. But hey, if we're leading people to W's, I'm okay with that. We'll just have to go ahead and uh, deal with it. But yeah, this weekend hasn't been much of a restful one for me. And uh, I know you were talking about it being a long one for you as well. So let's just get right into it and uh, get into some big picks. Absolutely, man. Hey, listen, that might have been game of the year uh, thus far. That's yeah. probably the game of the year candidate right there. Uh, so listen, uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. Very long weekend. So we're going to be motoring through this. Not going to cheap out on the content. That's not, you know, that's for certain. We're still going to provide all of our favorite picks, value tiers, all the good stuff to go with it. But we might just, you know, it might just sound like one and a half times speed. So uh, before we jump into anything, quick shout out to Thrive Fantasy, guys. Come prop up with us over there at Thrive Fantasy. Uh, Thrive is the number one daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props. With Thrive, you eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Choose 10 of 20 available player prop bets to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props, rack up the most points, and win your share of the prize pool. Thrive has over 50000 in guaranteed prizes weekly for the NBA alone and has awarded over $6 million so far. So use that promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, when you sign up and you will receive a 100% instant first deposit match on up to $100. Download Thrive in the App Store, Play Store, or by visiting their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up. And prop today, we have the first game of the night. New Orleans Pelicans traveling to Cleveland. They are taking on the Cavs. Cavs on the second half of a back-to-back in this one. So we are not going to have that injury report available for us. Got to have to keep an eye on that. Before the Pelicans, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, both questionable. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas is questionable, dealing with that illness for the past two games. And then Kira Lewis and Didi Luizeta are out. I will pass it over to you, my friend. Well, actually, maybe we'll see. I, I'm assuming we didn't have a game total, but I could be wrong. Uh, no, we do not. Not for this. Uh, yeah, not for this one. So I'll pass it over to you. Lead us off here with the Pelicans. Looking like they could be getting some bodies back. But how are you approaching this? Yeah, and those questionable tags are exactly what I've got a really strong eye on, especially the one for Josh Hart, because he's the one who uh, you know, looked a little gimpy at the end of the last game, uh, picked up what looked like a slightly annoying knee injury. So if he's out and Valanchunas, who's still also questionable with that injury, it all comes down to the amount of value that you have here and all those kind of 5,000 guys. I know we used to talk about the Phoenix Suns having that uh, you know, quartet of guys right in that middle amount who could do quite well as far as their value is concerned. But here between Hernan Gomez, Devontae Graham, Alexander Walker and Herb Jones, all those guys are in a good spot to be able to do you know, five to six sacks at the very least. Uh, I'd probably say Hernan Gomez is probably my favorite out of that, given the fact that Cleveland's got that front court that's going to require him to be on the floor for that 30-plus minutes again. And, yeah, he didn't have an amazing game in the last one, but he's been absolutely killing it for the two prior to that. And it's just a, a great spot for him to be able to go ahead and get back into that. And I know we've spoken about not really liking Devontae Graham, but you know, if he's getting the kind of uh, minutes and usage he's going to have to, Given the uh, lack of bodies that are there, or lack thereof, he's probably going to be uh, in my player pool as well. And really, 
Herb Jones is one that I'm trying not to overreact to because he had an absolutely killer game last time around against Cleveland. Uh, dropped what was his best 46.3 in that one, and he's always an absolutely solid pick. But given how many options are here on the slate, I'll probably say Hernan Gomez is my favorite. And Devontae Graham might get a little bit of usage on here because uh, Alexander Walker's gotten a little expensive for what I would have otherwise taken. Fair enough. And I, I would also probably just throw Garrett Temple in there as one of those guys where if you land on him, fantastic, great. You know, you're not going to be overly excited about it. But if he's playing 38 minutes like he did, uh, obviously with Hart and possibly Ingram both out, they're going to need wings. And for some reason, they love to play that dude. And he's not a great point per minute guy. I think he averages like like 0.7 and a half. But given 38 minutes at that price tag, there is worse you could do. So I don't mind landing on him. I'm just not going to build around him uh, on the other side of the ball. Definitely some options we can continue to look at. Garland is priced up at 9,100, but this is a fantastic matchup for him. Uh, just anytime you're going against either Trey Young or Devontae Graham, it's a big boost for any point guard that's doing so. I, like I said, I don't love this price tag, but I think the matchup's great. So if you have the money to spend on him, sure, why not? Probably just not going to start my lineups with him. But if I could see I could upgrade, I wouldn't mind going that route. Uh, also, don't mind this spot for Dean Wade. He's been a guy I've been taking advantage of with the value. Uh, they're pretty much just going to be very, very obligated to play Dean Wade at this point, it feels like. You know, he continues just to get the starter job uh, outside of that blowout where we saw Chetty play a little bit more, which I don't expect this game to be a blowout, but that looks like the way that they want to utilize Chetty Osmond and Dean Wade is if the game's close, they're going to play Wade. Uh, if the game gets out of hand, they're going to play Chetty. So I will stick with using Dean Wade, and then I don't mind looking at a guy like you know Jared Allen at 77 or Mobley. They're both decent options. For me, it's really tough to figure out which guy I can end up going with on a night-to-night basis. They both have similar floors and upside. It just comes down to position eligibility for me with those two. Don't mind going there, but for the most part, I think Dean Wade would probably be my highest-owned guy in here, and based on the price tag and just the, the recent minutes he's been getting. Yeah, I'm right there with you, and uh, I do like Isaac Okoro for his minute situation as well. Again, not a guy I love landing on, but if we're talking about you know, Garrett Temple, even Alvarado in the last one, I kind of forgot to mention him, but all those guys in that about 3,900 price range, I would be totally fine with landing on if everything else goes out, but I do like Dean Wade in his uh, minute situation, and yeah, uh, between uh, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, I'll probably lean Jared Allen as well, but uh, you know, they're both in a very solid spot to be able to produce. Just don't give you the kind of upside you may otherwise want on, on this kind of a slate. Absolutely. We'll move on to the next game. It's Los Angeles Clippers traveling to Indiana, taking on the Pacers. We have the Clippers on the second half of the back-to-back, so no injury report for them. Goga and O'Shea Brissett are both questionable. Malcolm Brogdon, TJ McConnell, Miles Turner, TJ Warren are all ruled out in this one. Uh, we'll check the the lovely game total online and see if we have one. And at the moment, it does not appear that we do. So we're going to have to keep an eye on that. I guess those two front court guys are probably what's holding it back at this very moment. I'll pass it over to you. The Clippers on the second half of the back-to-back. Who are you looking at? Yeah, and I think the biggest uh, place of interest here is with uh, Nicholas Batum with his back spasm. Likely going to... I don't see him coming back right in this game. Of course, that questionable tag is still there. But without that, Luke Kennard has just stepped in and become a key offensive option for them. Has had, you know, essentially four great games back to back for his uh, salary. And even though he had 39, 35 in his last two, his salary has actually dropped a little bit from that 5,100 back to 5,000. So he's probably my favorite guy on the Clippers side. Uh, The shooting yard eligibility as well is always nice. And the fact that he's actually grabbing a good number of boards, given the fact that they're running quite a few small ball lineups near the end. You know, you're not seeing a lot of Zubots. He's been stuck in that 20 minute roll over there. And Kennard has been kind of cleaning up all of that. The minutes otherwise are being spread out pretty evenly between Amir Coffey, Reggie Jackson, And between those two, I do like Reggie Jackson always for his capability to be able to go off. 
you know, he's going to be the guy who's likely going to end up leading the team in field goal attempts if Marcus Morris is not having a decent night. And frankly, he's been you know, stinking it up for the last couple of games. So perhaps he gets back on track. I don't necessarily see this being uh, the game that he does that. But yeah, between uh, Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard is the main areas that I'm looking. And then you know, if you're trying to get, again, to the uh, bargain barrel side of things, Justice Winslow has had three solid games now. And again, it's just one of those Swiss Army knife kind of guys. Can give you a little bit of everything. He's gotten his minutes up into the mid-20s with Batum out too, so he's likely going to be sticking in the rotation for that much. And at 3,700, out of all these value picks that we've spoken so far, with him having small forward eligibility as well, it's a good spot to be able to go as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I'm probably going to be looking at the value here. I agree with Justice Winslow, like you said. Uh, they found that this dude is just, they unlocked his defense uh, since he's been in LA. And he's playing great defense on just pretty much anyone. He can guard one through four for them at this point. A uh, very versatile guy with steals, blocks, gets decent assists, likes to handle the ball a little bit. Never going to be a great scorer, but I'm right there on Winslow with you. I think he's a rock solid value play. And then I wouldn't shy away from Hartenstein either. Uh, they closed the fourth quarter with him in that last game. And quietly, I saw this stat on Twitter. I can't remember where I saw it. So, you know, shame on me for not being able to give them the plug that they deserve. Uh, per 500 possessions, um, he or per 500 possessions, it was Hartenstein is defensively the best center in the league right now. Um, I don't know if they're going to eventually make that switch. They might just divvy up the minutes. But at 3,300, if he can just maintain a 20 to 22 minute roll, he can pay off that price tag pretty easily. Um, and he played 21 in that last one, ended up putting up only 18 and a half DK points. But we we've seen him capable of being a great point per minute guy, where he can easily drop 25 to 30 in only 20 to 22 minutes. So. Those are probably the two guys I'm most uh, most interested with. On the other side of the ball, a lot of decent options here. Uh, don't mind spending up on Sabonis at 9,800. You know, he was really limited in that game against Dallas. It was the second half of a back-to-back game where he played 44 minutes the game prior. Still managed to put up 54 DK points. And we're kind of seeing the trend. Anytime Miles Turner sits out, Sabonis just has his way with the offense in general. Uh, he's always going to be involved on the shot attempts and de- good. I wouldn't say decent, great assist for a guard next to Jokic, or I mean a forward. Uh, probably the second best passing big man in the league at this point. But the rebounds are get unlocked. Where we start to see him have these 14, 15, 18 rebound games, which is just really boom for his value. We know that the Clippers pretty much struggle against any big, uh, just based on what we've seen all season long. So I think Sabonis is obviously a, a rock solid option. And then if we see Goga and Brissett are, are ruled out, then we can go right back to the well with a guy like Isaiah Jackson, who has forward eligibility as well. 4,100, he'd probably be looking at 24 to 25 minutes if they're both sitting. And even if we just see that one of them sits, whether it's, you know, should be Goga, I, I'm, I'm kind of more on the doubtful side for him. He's in play either way. 4,100, you know, it's it's teetering on the price tag margin. Uh, we'd rather see both of them sit, but he still has the capability of easily paying that off with back-to-back 27.5 DK point games or higher. He's just a stat-stuffing machine, very versatile guy who can step out, hit threes, uh, very good on defense, very raw player, but it doesn't take much for minutes for him. So those are probably going to be my two primary options. Um, I mean, are you on Levert? Let me hear you. Uh, not so much on this game. That being said, I know we were speaking a little bit off-air about all these high-tier guys that I'm still kind of in the midst of, of who I think is my favorite, and Sabonis was who I was probably going to end up coming out on. Just It just is a matchup that he has always loved. He had a game against them a little less than a week back, obviously not uh, out of this world or anything, but the idea here being that it's a matchup that he's able to exploit just based on the fact that if they try to go too far with Zubats, that's just not a guy who can stay too long with Sabonis, given his ability to also stretch the floor a little bit. And then otherwise, as you said, if we, you know, Hartenstein has been solid, no doubt defensively, but we'll have, we'll have to see whether they actually throw him in more lineups to be able to deal with Sabonis. 
But just given the streak that he's been on, the fact that he's still sub 10K, I think it's a great spot to be able to go ahead and get him in there for that power forward slash center eligibility. And then Isaiah Jackson, absolutely. That's my uh, other value guy to be able to look at. I think the minutes uh, are going to be there for him to be able to get into the you know, low to mid 20s. I think yeah, much like uh, Winslow, he's in a great spot to be able to give you that little bit of everything and hit his value. If not at uh, 5x, a 6x is also his upside here. Awesome. Uh, we'll go to the next game. Memphis Grizzlies traveling to Philadelphia, taking on the Sixers in this one. For the wonderful injury report, uh, we will start off here with, uh, where is it? Can I pull it up? There we go. Uh, with the Grizzlies, Dylan Brooks still ruled out. Tyus Jones is questionable. Looks like Zaire Williams is back in the lineup uh, for this one. Side out that last game. And then for the Sixers, uh, Furkdan Korkmaz is questionable. Shake Milton, Paul Reed, Ben Simmons, Jaden Springer, Miles Powell all ruled out. As far as a game total and a spread, it is 219. Philly being favored by Three and a half points here. I will pass it over to you for Memphis. I'll keep it quite frank and short and sweet with this one. I'm not really interested in anyone in Memphis. I know that sounds a little crazy, but let me get your take. Yeah, and I think I'm pretty much there with you. I, you know, Usually John Morant is always a solid guy to be able to look at given the slate. But just with the uh, kind of upside that we're seeing otherwise, it's I'm going to do one of your things and take it on the chin. <laughs> if John Morant goes ahead and has a big game, then more power to him. I just don't like him in this matchup. The only guy I was potentially interested in is Desmond Bain, just because I think he's too cheap. But as we've seen, he's kind of still working a little bit back from everything that he had is a couple of games off. His minutes total has been okay, but in general, just kind of watching him play, he still looks like he's getting his win back there. I think 6,100 is a great price tag for him to be able to do well. And the other side is uh, De'Anthony Melton, who's finally getting the minutes that he should have been getting for the vast majority of the season, but you know, 27 and 28 in the last two games there. And even when he's not shooting extensively well, as he had against that Washington game, five of 18 there in a pretty, uh, you know, pretty blowout game for them. But the minutes total is really what gets it because, you know, as long as he's on the floor, he's going to give you a little bit of everything to be able to get there. So, again, just one of those guys that if your lineup works out, he's a great guy to be able to land on. I think 5X is a pretty safe floor given uh, everything that he can do. And anything beyond that is gravy with uh, with Melton. Yeah, see, that's the that's the one thing I was worried about was always the, his minutes. And I'm honestly in the camp of I, I think I'm going to hop off the train. This just feels like a a matchup where we're gonna and, and they're volatile. Bottom line, these the, the rug can get yanked out from under us any minute when it comes to Melton's minutes. You know, no pun intended. Minutes, minutes, minutes. Uh, but you know, Zaire Williams sat out the last game. We saw Kyle Anderson missing the few before that. They're starting to get these wings back in order. I guarantee now Dylan Brooks is still out. I'm not saying Zaire Williams is going to steal all of his minutes. I don't think that is, that's going to happen. But there's probably going to be about anywhere between eight and eleven to twelve minutes available for him. Uh, and then we see Kyle Anderson obviously working his way back up. He only played 23 minutes in his first game back in that last one. Desmond Bain's minutes are going to start working back up. So I kind of imagine that the rug might just get yanked out from us. This could be the match if it does happen. And I expect them to draw a fair amount of ownership. Everyone loves playing DeAnthony Melton. If that's the case, on an eight-game slate, I could probably see myself going elsewhere. Uh, but I do like your Desmond Bain call. If the minutes can get back up to that 34- to 35-minute range, he's way too cheap. But – uh, on the other side of the ball, I don't think I'll be playing too much Embiid. Not my favorite stud on the slate. Granted, Embiid's been in otherworldly all season long so far. Uh, and honestly, I don't see myself going too much of anything on this side of the ball either. I feel like this game might just end up being a big cross-off for me. But you tell me if there's anybody over here on the Sixers you're interested in. No, I think I'm right there with you. The only guy I still kind of keep an eye out always is Seth Curry. I think the price tag is too cheap for him for 
how well he had been playing. Again, a guy who just had his first game back uh, from his ankle injury. Still got 32 minutes right away, which is obviously a great sign as far as that side is concerned. His price tag drops to 5,300, gives you the kind of upside because he was regularly hitting into the mid to high 30s, if not close to 40, before he happened to end up going down. So again, not my favorite guy to be able to go ahead and throw out there, but a point guard who's essentially shooting guard only is always a nice spot to be. And 5,300 is a pretty decent price tag for a guy who's shown what he can do as far as the season goes. I like it. All right, fourth game of the night, Miami Heat traveling to Boston, taking on the Celtics for the injury report. We'll start off here with the Heat. Jimmy Butler is questionable. Kyle Lowry rolled out. Markeith Morris, Casey Akpala, Victor Oladipo, Omer Yurt, seven, all rolled out. And then for the Celtics, Romeo Langford is questionable. Pretty much the only guy I really need to be considered for this. Uh, we'll go check out this game total and this spread See what we got going on. And it looks like at the moment we do not have one, mostly probably due to Jimmy Butler. Uh, I will pass it over to you. I mean, obviously, Butler's going to have a big impact on this game. But why don't you tell me what you're looking at, I guess, if he plays, if he doesn't play. Yeah, and it's it's pretty interesting because he obviously was questionable even in the last game with the toe injury. But then, hey, he comes out and plays 52 minutes in that one. So clearly, it must not be bothering him to the extent that uh, may have otherwise been insinuated. But again, given the kind of minutes total that they played, I would not be surprised whatsoever if they try to limit Butler, even if he happens to play. So at 8,900, I'm probably avoiding him in this matchup, just given everything else that's there. Uh, Instead, I'd probably be more interested in a Tyler Hero at 6,200. Again, in any situation where he's able to get the kind of shots he's been getting as of late, obviously that Toronto game was crazy. He had 22 shots up there, just given the fact that it was a triple OT. But if Jimmy Butler is in any way limited, He's going to be the guy that the usage ends up going right to because they need him to do all the shot making that he possibly can. And the other side that's of interest, and this is more of a value play, is Gabe Vincent. With Kyle Lowry out, it's been purely him taking over all those minutes over there. And his price tag has actually dropped, given despite the fact that he's had two solid games, 29.75, 34.5. At 4,800, I think that's absolutely rock solid. There's no reason for him to get anything less than the 33 minutes that he's been getting consistently ever since Kyle Lowry started going out for his personal reasons. And until he gets to, again, that like mid-5,000s, I'm finding myself playing a lot of Gabe Vincent, and I'll probably continue doing it even on this slate. Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of, this is like an ugly matchup. I mean, both these teams, uh, they have good wings. So it's not like, you know, the Celtics are fantastic on defense necessarily. They could allow points in certain positions. I just don't usually target too many wings going against them. So even if Butler plays, I probably won't be playing him. Um, yeah, I, I had it was all over him in that last game. I got lucky with the triple overtime. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but there was once a wise man that said, play Jimmy Butler against the Raptors. Um, I, don't, I can't remember who that once was. So I listened to him and I played him. Uh, and then I think that you could look at Hero. I don't mind it. But for the most part, if Butler sits, I'll probably be taking advantage of the value. Like you said, Gabe Vincent, maybe some Max Struss, and I wouldn't even mind like Caleb Martin. We might want to wait and see what the starting lineup looks like, but it just seems like one of those matchups where we have better games, better game totals, better game environments to target and spend up on, where if anything, I'll go to some of this value over here on Miami. Uh, On the Boston side of the ball, I think, you know, you can't go wrong with any of these high-priced studs. But again, it's going against a Miami team that's very scrappy and tough on defense. So I probably won't be seeing myself go there. Uh, Tatum had one of his worst games of the season against uh, the Heat this season. Granted, it's one game. I know that. But the Heat have a way of making everybody have their worst game going against them with lower game totals and just hard-nosed defense and good rotation. So I don't think I'll probably keep spending up on Tatum or Brown and better centers available on this slate for them, Robert Williams. So for the most part, 
it might just be a big cross off for me over here on the Celtics. For some reason, I'm getting the inkling that you know maybe this is a Marcus Smart game, but uh, I'm gonna need more than a gut feeling for me to have a ton of ownership in him. Yeah, I actually took the words right out of my mouth because I was going to say, on a scrappy team, there's a scrappy guy that I like taking, and that is Marcus Smart. But at 5,300, you know, the upside is always there just because of, again, everything that he can do. Didn't shoot well at all last game. In fact, didn't even get many shots up in general, but still got you 12 dimes. So it's just one of those things where, you know, even if he's not uh, contributing in one way or the other, he'll always find a way to be able to get there. Again, that 5,300 price tag is always what's going to be interesting. There's a lot of these mid-range guys over there, you know, between him, Reggie Jackson, we spoke about Melton, I've just had Gabe Vincent. I think there's a lot of these guys that you can go at. Uh, in the next game, I'm going to pick the guy who I think is the best in the 5,000 range, but Marcus Smart is definitely in play for me, but I am going to go ahead and avoid uh, Tatum and Brown as I have been for most of the season, to be honest. Yeah, the next game, definitely a little bit more fantasy-friendly. Toronto Raptors traveling to Atlanta, taking on the Hawks. Uh, this should be one that I'm assuming draws a fair amount of ownership all around the the field. But the Hawks, second half of a back-to-back, no injury report. But for the Raptors, Ken Birch is ruled out. Goran Dragic, soon to be traded, obviously still not with the team. Uh, so that's pretty much all that we really need to be concerned with over there. And then for a game total and a spread, we do not have it uh, just yet. we got to keep an eye on some of this information I guess we're waiting on. Uh, but I will pass it over to you. Talk about your Raptors. Yeah, and I expect this to be if not the highest, one of the highest scoring games of the night, just given what we're seeing from both sides. Atlanta has been relatively porous as far as their defensive end is concerned throughout the season, although they've been finding ways to still kind of win and be into games late, which is great for what we always know is uh, Nick Nurse's rotation. You know, his starters are going to play heavy minutes, and of all these guys, they're all very good as far as their pricing is concerned. I think they all have the upside to be able to do 5X, if not more. But it's Gary Trent that I keep looking at. And I spoke about that favorite 5,000 guy. It just He's just way, way too cheap for everything that he's needed to do. His offense has been absolutely required for a Toronto team that's needing the shot making in every way possible. And he's had anywhere between 21 to 28 field goal attempts in his last three games. And this is despite the fact that he's also been one of the league leaders as far as steals are concerned. So it's just all of those little things that easily end up getting him his value. And, you know, at, I'm okay to take him all the way up to 7,000. So at 5,800, he's absolutely smashed as far as I'm concerned. He's going to be in a large amount of my lineups as far as, uh, as far as ownership is concerned. And then the other side, it's between uh, Siakam and Van Vliet. I don't think you can go wrong. I do think Van Vliet at 8,700 is in a great spot to be able to produce. The one thing to kind of keep an eye on is at the end of last game, he looked a little bit gimpy. It looked like he was grabbing uh, his groin. I hope he's doing all right. He wasn't walking all that great. But if he's in, he's, it's a great matchup. Obviously, Trey can't defend a pylon, much less Fred Van Vliet. So at 8,700, I think you're absolutely smashing him as well at that 5 to 6x. If you're looking at that you know, stud that can go ahead and produce more, I think it's between him and Garland who I'd be looking at. And uh, just given a matchup in which I think Cleveland could actually blow out the Pelicans, I'll probably be leaning a little bit more towards Fred Van Vliet. You took the words out of my mouth. I'm right there with you. I think Fred Van Vliet in this matchup should absolutely smash. He's been shooting like trash over the past like four or five games. Uh, this is a nice get right spot. Anytime you get a chance to go against a guy like Trey Young on defense, it's going to look pretty good. And even in those poor shooting games, he's pretty much averaging more than 40 DK points. Give him a good shooting game. We're, we're touching on 50 at 8,700. Uh, that's a great value. And I don't mind looking at some Gary Trent Jr. Uh, I had him in that last game. I had him in the game prior. I feel like I'm overstaying my welcome at this point. But 
As long as he's taking 20-plus shot attempts, we can keep playing him. There's no doubt about it. Uh, on the Atlanta side of the ball, it's tough with Atlanta. I think that John Collins at 6,500, uh, he's in a good spot. The minutes have been down over the past three games. Granted, this one should stay pretty close where if he's playing anywhere between 30 to 33 minutes, he could easily pay off that 6,500. So it's more about the price tag than the actual matchup for, for him personally. And this whole wing situation between Werder, Hunter, Bogdanovich, you want to talk about very Suns-like, uh, that's the feeling I'm getting with these guys where, you know, who's it going to be on any given night? They're all usually priced right around the same price tag. And it just comes down to whoever's shot is really falling because at this point, they're basically just divvying up the minutes. If I had to pick one of them, it would be Bogdanovich. But they're guys that if I land on, I don't mind it. No one I feel overly confident in. And I'll never fault you on Trey Young, but we've already talked about a few guards that are about $1,000 cheaper I prefer over him. So uh, that's just my take, but let me hear yours. Yeah, and I think you've pretty much hit it on there. Outside of Trey, I've uh, pretty much avoided the Hawks for most of the season. Uh, John Collins every once in a while gets in there. But yeah, I've, I've said this to tons of friends all I spoke about. It's... Atlanta has that problem just having too many good guys and they need to get rid of one or two to really tighten up this rotation because it's actually hurting them more than it's helping to have the kind of offense and having to divvy it up to such an extent that it's actually really making them quite discombobulated as far as the offense is concerned. So I, I do think this will still stay tight as far as the game's concerned. So Trey is definitely in play for me, just given the minutes and the fact that he's going to be in every other lineup over there has been playing out of his mind as of late, even though his uh, shooting hasn't been there, but he's just been a guy who's just consistently finding ways, especially in the fourth quarter, to uh, find ways as far as his DK points are concerned. And had a 60-point game today against the Lakers and a pretty sick comeback as well. So we'll have to see if he keeps going on there. Uh, I'm right I'm right there with you in that uh, he'll probably not be one of my favorite guards. I'll, I'd rather go and have a little bit more exposure to a Darius Garland, a Fred Van Vliet. But uh, if you do decide to uh, go with Trey, I don't think you can be faulted for that. His, uh, anywhere between 5X to 5.5X should be pretty well secure, given the matchup. All right, next game, Sacramento Kings traveling to New York, taking on the Knicks for the Knicks. New Orleans, as well as probable, Derrick Rose remains out. And then for the Kings, Terrence Davis and Marvin Bagley both ruled out. Darren Fox is questionable. Uh, that's going to be the big impact right there, Darren Fox. Whether he plays or not, it seems like he's inching closer and closer, but... This team looks so bad that I don't think they're really in a rush to, you know, potentially hinder a guy that, oh, they're saying they're not trading him. They're saying they might trade him. We, we don't know. But the trade deadline's looming. And the last thing you want to do is uh, keep re-aggravating an ankle injury around that time. But uh, I'll pass it over to you. Let's look at the Sacramento team. Let me know what you're looking at. There's no game total, no spread. Uh, and do you think Fox plays? I'm going to go ahead and say that Fox does not play, given uh, how it all is going. I mean, we just saw a small ankle sprain on uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and they decided to rest him all the way to the All-Star break, because frankly, there's nothing uh, to be actually gained from playing them. Sacramento, we know, is not really going to be making a push for that uh, play-in spot. They're, even though they're all not all that far out, it's just... The West is crappy, but I don't think the Kings really need to risk that. They'll rather be looking at potential trade candidates. So Halliburton is absolutely going to be smashed at 8,500. We saw what he could do in the last game. I mean, really, those kind of gaudy lines is exactly what Halliburton's upside is. And the fact that uh, I mean, he's still in a spot where he could have that upside at 8,500, 
while still having a pretty safe floor. I'm definitely looking into him. Uh, the other side, uh, with uh, Terrence Davis out indefinitely with his uh, with his wrist, we've actually been seeing Davion Mitchell get more and more minutes and get a lot more involved with the offense. Last three games now has had double-digit shot attempts to the tune of 15, 17, 14, playing 30 minutes plus in each of those as well. Uh, didn't have a great game against Boston, not that anyone did, but then the two against Atlanta and Philly, he's consistently shown that you know, he does have that upside. He's uh, already going to stay on the floor because of his defensive prowess. But Mr. No Plays Off was his nickname, last I recall. So at 4,900, I think that's a great spot to be able to go ahead and take him. And it's just because I just don't trust the rotation. I mean, Buddy Heal doesn't play the kind of minutes you'd expect to be able to hit his value. Harrison Barnes I'm never really too fond of, but I don't think you can go wrong. It's just a solid pick. I think the upside is with Davion Mitchell, and it's between him and Halliburton where most of my uh, looks would be as far as their lineup's concerned. Right there with you, my friend. The only other guy I might throw in there would be Chimezi Metu. Uh, with Marvin Bagley ruled out, there's a decent chance he ends up starting at the four. That or they slide Barnes up, but no one with the size with Randall. They might just go with Metu. Uh, played his first game back after taking a few games off. Only played 18 minutes in that one. But it could easily see him bumped up to the mid-20s mark if he's able to play that. And at that point, you know, I'll, I'll take some stabs at him at 3,700. On the Knicks side of the ball, this is most likely just going to – it's a great matchup. Um I just struggle with playing any of the Knicks. I mean, they just look absolutely terrible. For some reason, this this is getting me feeling like it's an R.J. Barrett day. Man, we never get the R.J. Barrett days right, though. It's just it's one of those things where uh, I just don't trust it. Uh, I'm not all that interested in taking stabs at Kemba Walker, even though he played 30 minutes against Milwaukee. Uh, it's just a tough pill to swallow. But those would probably be the two guys I'm looking at the most. I just don't feel overly confident in either one of them. Yeah, the Knicks are probably my least favorite team as far as fantasy is concerned. Just R.J. Barrett, as you said, just gets the chop volume to be able to get uh, his value on most nights. But still, the upside in most matchups, I don't particularly like to be able to go ahead and take him. And at 7,100, I just think there's been uh, other options that have been given. I mean, we have the potential of taking a Tyler Hero. We have the potential of, of taking a Desmond Bain. Any of those guys that are cheaper than him that, frankly, I think could straight up outperform him. It uh, just makes it so that RJ doesn't have too much interest as far as my side is concerned. Uh, the only guy every once in a while end up taking is the Kemba Walker, just given how uh, he has the potential to be able to go and have a good game. But again, at uh, his current price tag, just not all that much interested in the Knicks or their rotation. It's probably going to be an X for me here. All right, we'll keep it moving then. Golden State Warriors traveling to Houston, taking on the Rockets here for the injury report. Uh, Nemanja Bielitsa is questionable. Draymond, uh, Andre Iguodala, Otto Porter, James Wiseman have all been ruled out. And then for the Rockets, Usman Garuba is ruled out. Kevin Porter Jr. is questionable. As far as a game total and a spread, it is 230.5. Golden State being favored by a whopping 11 points. Talk about the Warriors and who you're looking at. Yeah, I mean, everything starts and ends with Steph Curry. That being said, He's not a stud that I'm all that interested in today. I just want to go ahead and throw that out there because it's been Andrew Wiggins who since uh, his surprise, a.k.a. undeserving, all-star starter vote has been on an absolute tear for the last two games there. And it just comes down to uh, the usage that he's consistently getting now. He had 18 shots in the last game, 12 in the one before that. It was a little bit odd initially you know, when Clay Thompson came back to see where uh, Andrew Wiggins would end up fitting, but you know, Clay's getting his 27 minutes, he's getting his shots up, but Andrew Wiggins seems to have found his niche in which he can go ahead and uh, get his performances going. So at uh, 6,600, at small forward eligibility, he's probably my favorite warrior to be able to go ahead and look at. And then, as I said, Clay Thompson, 
he's just one of those GPP guys that you can definitely go ahead and throw in there. Not uh, not overly excited to take him at 6,000, given 27 minutes has been pretty decent, but not you know a place where I could be for sure saying that he's going to go ahead and do well. So I'll, I'll throw him out there with a, a little bit of caution. And then in general, uh, the rest of the uh, the rest of the rotation is pretty well set, but no one with all that extreme upside. We know Jordan Poole will play 27 to 28 minutes at his current price tag. He probably has an upside of somewhere in the low 30s as far as DK points is concerned. So not a horrible spot if you happen to go ahead and land on him. But other than Andrew Wiggins, I don't think I'm going to be specifically targeting anyone on these Warriors. Yeah, I think this game has you know blowout written all over it. Now, granted, it's the NBA. They could stay close, but... Um, with Otto Porter ruled out, I think I could definitely take a stab at a guy like Kaminga. He could very well draw that start at the four. We were seeing that for a few few games, and I think if he draws a start, fantastic. Uh, it's also the boom where he's a young, talented player who would probably play in a blowout regardless. Uh, 4K, he's definitely somebody I'd be targeting. And then I'm with you. I don't mind taking a stab at one of these wings. Uh, I think Clay Thompson might be the one guy I do look at if I'm game scripting it for a blowout just because he's not going to play a full complement of minutes regardless. Uh, it's just if the game gets out of hand, he won't check back into that fourth quarter at all. And then instead of 27 minutes, you'd be looking at, you know, 22. So I, you know, I think I'll probably just land on Kaminga for the most part, but this is a fantastic matchup. It's really going to go by how your game scripting it. It's just that simple. If you think it can stay close, all these guys are in great spots and probably a little bit too cheap. Uh, Kaminga is just the one guy that I think he gets a bump in minutes regardless. Uh, you know, even if Belichia is ruled out, then boom, he's probably the only power forward they really have left that's going to play at all. So He's probably my favorite target if I'm looking at anybody over there. And then on the other side of the ball, for everything I just said about how it might not be a blowout, I think it will be, and I just don't want to target any of these guys. Uh, I don't think this is the defense we want to target. Golden State's had a top-five defense pretty much all season long. And then granted, I think all these guys are pretty much priced appropriately where I don't need to really take too many stabs at them. Fair enough, although I will say with Draymond out there, defense has been a little outside of the uh, top 10, actually, in that time. So it gives them a little bit of runway. The only thing I'm really looking at here is uh, the Kevin Porter situation. So he's uh, questionable coming in with uh, his COVID protocols. If he doesn't end up playing, then Jalen Green definitely becomes uh, one of the guys I end up targeting as far as my player pool is concerned. Uh, last game, 32.25 DK points. And it just comes down to the fact that he is going to be shooting everything outside of uh, Christian Wood being there. So Given the rookie, doesn't matter if blowout or not, he's going to play somewhere between uh, 30 to 33 minutes every time. And it doesn't even matter if he's shooting all that well, he's just go ahead and get the volume. So, you know, out of all those point guards and shooting guards that we've talked about in that, uh, that 4,000 to 5,000 range, he's probably the one who's going to be leading as far as shot attempts are concerned. So it's, uh, it's a spot that I think he might actually go ahead and do well, just given the fact that no one else is really there. And I don't trust Christian Wood enough at that price tag to be able to take a stab at him. Given the fact that uh, the Warriors often like going smaller, I think uh, you'll find Christian Wood doesn't get the, the kind of minutes that you would otherwise hope. He's only played 28 and a half minutes in the two games that he's played against the Warriors. So I'm going to go ahead and fade that. But Jalen Green is in play for me. All right. Final game of the night. Portland Trailblazers traveling to OKC, taking on the Thunder. As we know, for the injury report, Shea Gildress will be out until the All-Star break, along with Pakuveski. He is ruled out as well. And then Blazers, no injury report just yet. We're going to have to keep an eye out for that one. I do not believe we have a game total or a spread yet for this game. We do not. I will pass it over to you. Talk about Portland. Yeah, and Portland's rotation 
in a, in a good way is that it's pretty well set. You know exactly who's going to be doing what and who's going to be getting that many shots. The good thing about it is uh, both CJ and Anthony Simons are still in that 7,000 mark, which definitely puts them in play for me, especially CJ. Uh, 23, 20 shots in the last two games that he's gotten. He's obviously going to have the kind of usage that you would expect. I don't especially like the matchup with OKC, especially with uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander out. I don't know how much they're going to be able to go ahead and actually stay in this game. But I will be targeting uh, the other guard on that side just because he's going to have to play. That being said, just given all of that, I'm probably not super excited about taking any of these guys. I think Norman Powell at 6400 might be the one of interest just given the price tag. The usage is always going to be there. And even though his shot attempts have been slightly down in the last two games, you know, he's going to be on average in between that 14 to 15. If the games are blowout, it means they've done something in three quarters to be able to do that. And Norm at 64 is probably the one I'd like more than uh, taking any of these other two guys there, just given the prospect of everything else in the game. That's why I'm leaving Nurkic out too. No, listen, I think Nurkic is probably a little hair too overpriced, especially given, like you said, yeah. the matchup and everything as well. Uh, but I'm with you. I don't mind looking at Powell. I don't mind looking at CJ. Those are probably the the only two guys I really have uh, a whole lot of interest in. I haven't been playing Simons. I mean, I've been, as we say, taking it off the chin with him, uh, and I'll probably continue doing so. Uh, on the other side of the ball, there's three guys that really kind of, I guess, piqued my interest a little bit. Uh, with Shea out, I mean, Josh Giddey is just going to have all the ball handling responsibilities that this guy can handle. Portland's defense is absolute trash. He doesn't need to score a whole lot to get you to where he needs to get you. I don't love that $7,300 price tag, but a comfortable 35 feels like it's in play for this. We know he has a little bit of upside for more if he comes near that triple-double, which he can pretty much do on any given night, especially now with Shea out. So. I think Giddy would be one of my primary options. And as much as it pains to, pains me to say, I think I'll be looking at Lou Dort. Uh, 6K, that price tag is ugly. Don't get me wrong. But if this guy is going to have to take on the and shoulder the workload that I'm expecting that he's going to have to with that usage, with Shea off the floor now, he should be looking at anywhere between 15 and 18 shot attempts. Uh, this dude's not afraid to chuck. He's not afraid to shoot from three. Always good for a handful of rebounds as well. So uh, I think those are probably going to be my two primary uh, options. But I also want to see who draws that start in place of Shea. Is it going to be Trey Mann? Is it going to be Ty Jerome? Because whoever it is, I will have interest in as a value play. I think it will probably be uh, Trey Mann. But what do I know? Could be Wiggins. But keep your eye on that situation because whoever it is might end up being a decent value play, especially in this matchup. Yeah, as you said, the rotation's going to be absolutely fluid and trying to make everything work while Shea is out. Uh, the only other area that I have a little bit of interest in is Darius Baisley, just because I expect him to be the third option as far as offense is concerned. He's been coming off the bench consistently. Perhaps they uh, go ahead and throw him into the starting lineup, just given the fact that they need him. But more so than that, uh, you know, he's going to play into the low to mid 30 minutes. Not a huge fan of the fact that his price tag is 4300 but he always is one of those guys where if he happens to get hot, then he's going to shoot more. Uh, he had 5-7 the last game and probably would have shot a little bit more given everything else, but uh, Lou Dort was just chucking everything in sight, so it just happened to be like that. Again, if it lands on him at power forward, not the worst possible spot, but uh, between Giddy and Dort is where my interest is going to lie as well. All right, we will go to our player tier segment, my friend. Who are you looking at at your spend-up spot? Yeah, and you know, we spoke about a number of studs that are here on this roster, but I'm going to have to go ahead and stay on brand. Sabonis at 9,800, sub 10K. He's probably my favorite stud to be able to go on here just because it allows me to take advantage of some of these other uh, mid-tier guys that I've been uh, pretty interested in as well for this entire matchup. So Sabonis, 9,800. He's in a great matchup here with the Clippers. You know, the upside has obviously been there. And anything below 10K, you know he's going to be able to drop that uh, 50 to 55. It just feels incredibly secure. And uh, if the game can stay 
as close as I potentially expect it to be because both these teams are kind of trash. So Sabonis could be the one really benefiting from all of that. I like it. That'd probably be my top spend up. Uh, I'll probably lean with Tyrese Halliburton. If we know that Fox is out, if Fox plays, it would end up being Fred Van Vliet for me. I think both these guards have great upside at that mid-eight range. I think that they're great pivots off of guys like Trey Young, John Morant, Darius Garland, who uh, they'll probably all three of those guys will draw fair ownership. Um, I don't you know, think that Halliburton and Van Vliet won't draw ownership, but I assume it's going to be a little bit less, and it also gives you a little bit of more money on the table to spend elsewhere. I think that they pretty much all have very similar actual upside as far as that 50 to 60 DK point range. Uh, but we get consistent floors with those other two as well and for a much cheaper salary. For your mid-tier play, anywhere between that 5 and 7-9 range, who are you looking at? Yeah, and I can't walk away from Gary Trent. I, as I said, honestly, I'm okay taking him all the way up to 7,000. At 5,800, I'm going to take him every single time. You know he's going to have a shot attempts. He's not going to be anywhere less than 20 on that. And even if he's hitting you know, 40% in there, he's easily going to be able to go ahead and pay off that price tag. The upside remains just given the fact that he can rack up steals in a hurry. Uh, as long as he stays on the floor, he'll get you a couple of rebounds to kind of round out the stat line as well. So for me, his 5X floor is just absolutely secure at that price tag. And uh, if he can get hot, as he has been for the last little while, that gives you that uh, six, that 40 plus uh, DK points upside again. All right, my friend, I like it. Uh, I will give another caveat just in case he doesn't play. Uh, it would be Willie Hernan Gomez if we see that Jonas is out another game dealing with that illness. It, it's clearly got to be a decent illness if he's missed three games in a row, so there's a chance he misses one more. Uh, but if he uh, happens to not be the starter and we do see Jonas play, uh, I will obviously have to go a different route. And again, it, it was between two guys. Both these guys on the Thunder. It was between Giddy. It was between Dort. I'll probably end up leaning Dort for that $1,300 discount again. Feels gross, man. I don't play Dort very often, but I think with Shea out, we could definitely consider him. Not my favorite of price tags, but I do like the matchup, and I do like the usage that this guy should draw. So uh, those will be the the caveat, and then the play I will go with. And I, I almost want to make a friendly wager, but I don't like wagering with Dort. It just doesn't feel good. But <laughs> Dort versus Gary Trent just feels like, you know, uh, I should be spotted some points on that one, but I don't need them. But I, I think that will be a lot closer than people expect, uh, even – Man, that feels gross, but maybe we won't wager. It'll be a friendly bet over there, but who, who, who do you look at for your value play? No, I like it, and if you go with Sabonis, you could probably get both of them in the lineup, so maybe I just hedge that way. But as far as my value side is concerned, I'm just going to have to do justice to justice. At uh, 3,700, he just continues to be the guy who's really benefited from not only Batum being out, but just in general playing better. Uh, he's his Minutes are going to be rock solid just because of, as you said, the defensive versatility that he's offering, as well as just the versatility in his stat line. From his rookie year till now, the one knock against him is that he's just never been a good shooter, which really doesn't change, but he gives you everything else on the stat line. So even if he's not dropping you know, five of seven, four of nine, as far as his uh, field goals are concerned, as they have been in the last two games, he still has enough in the stat line to be able to play those uh, 25 to 28 minutes and easily pay off five, if not six X. All right. Well, I got uh, the caveat here again. I think there's two great options. I couldn't really make my mind up here. But if O'Shea and if we see O'Shea and Gogo both ruled out, I think Isaiah Jackson becomes a fine option. Uh, but one guy that I do expect to be good regardless is Jonathan Kaminga, just without a Porter ruled out. Bielitsa questionable. Bielitsa sits. It would only be a bigger boost for him. He'll probably end up drawing that start. He'll probably play some significant minutes regardless of the game total, whatever's going on in that situation, if it's a blowout or not. Uh, he feels like he's a pretty safe option over there. Uh, I don't think he'll necessarily fly under the radar. I think he will draw some significant ownership, but uh, definitely somebody that I kind of just see, you know, 
doing well in a fast-paced matchup. There's just a whole lot of things that go into the Kaminga play, but most of it's due to the injury and the, the minutes increase he's going to get. The one thing that worries me, and let me get your take on this real quick, because we didn't mention it. When he, you think they, I don't think they'll be able to necessarily go too small, so Bielisa does play. He may be the matchup better suited for Christian Wood, but we'll have to kind of wait and see. Do you think that ends up happening? Do you think, I mean, they can even take the chance of just going straight three-point killer mode and putting Wiggins at the four. I don't think that would be best suited for him and then end up starting, you know, play at the three and pull at the two. But what's your take on, I guess, that whole situation before we slide over to our Thrive Fantasy picks? Yeah, man, I think whatever they can do to get Christian Wood off the floor, which happens anytime they get a little bit more pace in the matchup, they're going to try and do. So going with that three-point killer lineup does seem like a Golden State thing to do is when you have someone like Curry and the rest of this lineup being able to do that consistently. And, you know, their weakness is in their front court. Why uh, try and uh, bring Looney out for more than you need to if you can just go ahead and force them to play Wood out because he can't stay with any of those three-point shooters? All right, my friend. I agree. I like it. And now Thrive Fantasy pick of the night. What is your favorite player prop bet over there? I got one teed up right now, and I'm feeling you're going to take it, but I'll let you go first. Yeah, fair enough. And you know, given it is a, a juicy slate, I'm going to go ahead and say there's two of them that I like. And, you know, we like giving a, a little bit more of a points total. So I'm going to go ahead and say Jalen Green at over 15 and a half points for 110 points on Thrive Fantasy is one that I said. We'll keep an eye out on the Otto Porter, I'm sorry, Kevin Porter situation as far as his questionable side is concerned. But I do think Jalen Green is going to be just shooting everything he can. Uh, he did it in the last game. I don't expect that much to change. They don't have much else to play for. Might as well have your rookie be shooting. So that's one. And the other one that I was looking at, and this is probably one that could uh, go ahead and actually happen is Pascal Siakam, 105 for 34.5 over. I think that's a pretty, it seems like a pretty good lock for me. I mean, there's just so much that he's been doing as of late. Uh, he's been consistently been above uh, 22 to 23 points and the rebounds have been close to double digits as well. So he may just be able to hit that 34 and a half before we even go ahead and count the assists. So I'm going to go ahead and say that is a lock. Those are good picks, man. Uh, I'm going to go with Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, it'd be a lot safer if we see Darren Fox is ruled out, but the 11 and a half total between his rebounds and assists, I feel pretty confident in that. Uh, I would lean that, and that's for a clean 105 points. And just to throw a little more in there, because you gave two, uh, the Fred Van Vliet points and assists going against Trey Young in this Atlanta defense. It's only 100 points even, uh, but that feels pretty confident at 28 and a half. This guy could easily pour in uh, 30 with just, you know, 20 points, 10 assists. He routinely gets those double-digit assists, and this feels like it's a higher upside scoring game for him as well. But that brings us home. That is everything. So if you have a moment, follow us on Twitter at Mike Apatria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. You can find Harris at H-A-K underscore devil. That is H-A-K underscore D-E-V-I-L. Give us a thumbs up, five star, rate and review, subscribe, wherever you may be listening to this. Get the notification nice and early when the podcast first gets published. Listen to it on your way into work. Maybe you are just, you got the day off. Lucky you. Um, that would be fantastic. I wish I did, man. It'd be nice to have tomorrow off, but I do not. So uh, wherever you listen, though, means the world to us. It gives a thumbs up and a five-star review. Leave a comment below, too. Just let us know what we can do to improve. If you love everything, we'd like to hear that as well. Uh, but just give us the deets, man. Give us the deets. And then that is it. It looks like Santino and Sammy will be back tomorrow, breaking down that Tuesday card for you guys. Is there anything else you'd like to leave us with, Harris, before we get on out of here? No, I think I'm pretty good. And the fact that we got this done in less time than Gary Trent played minutes in the last game, that obviously means that he's going to do great in the next one. So let's go ahead and smash him in there. 
Dort for the win. Nah, I, they're both great options, but I got to end up regretting all that this Dort play I'm probably going to have, but we'll see. Uh, that's all we have for you guys. Thank you guys for tuning in as always. Take care, and let's go take down the GPP.